Hello, and welcome to this week's Key Voices, conversations with folk in and around education. I'm Caroline Doherty. This week, I'm talking to Darren Morgan, head teacher at Kings Road Primary School in Trafford. Darren and I spoke a few weeks ago at the height of the heat wave, and we talked about his career path into headship, the improvement journey he and his team have been on at his current school, a bit about what it's been like for him to be a head teacher during the partial school closure and his thoughts about how the role of head teacher can be made to be a bit more manageable. As ever, before we begin, I'd just like to remind listeners that this podcast is an opportunity to open up debate and discussion around issues. The views my guest and I are about to express are not the view of the key. For in-depth authoritative articles on the latest issues in education, check out thekeysupport.com. This week, I am joined by Darren Morgan, head teacher at Kings Road Primary School in Trafford. Hi there, Darren. Hello, are you okay? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I am very good. I'm enjoying the hot weather. I had a round of golf this morning, uh, and I'm here now excited to talk through these issues. Excellent. Um, yeah, it is a very, very hot day. Um, so just to give listeners uh, a bit of a feel for for you, your school and the improvement journey that you've been on. OK, so um, I'll start with me then. So I'm a head teacher. I've been a school leader for 18 years. I've taught in five schools and I've been a head teacher for 10 years. The first school I taught in was a school called St Wilfred's, which is in Grafton Hall in Warrington, which was an amazing school. Uh, and I guess what I'd like to draw out from that school is the head teacher was fantastic. And the head teacher took a punt on me right from the start, and I think I was probably quite rough around the edges, and hopefully he saw something in me and nurtured me and was patient, uh, accepted my bad humour, accepted me for who I was. On several occasions, um, Silly things occurred, such as uh, my trousers ripping during an inspection and me having to leave the classroom. Wow. I explained to him uh, why I wasn't in the classroom, and thankfully we both saw that well. And fundamentally, I, I worked in a year group with three, uh, year three, four teachers, Diane, Sharon, and Claire. And again, they were superb. They were superb. I learned so much from them. From there, I went to be a deputy in Suffolk which was pretty much just a random place. Uh, I looked in Tess, ended up in Suffolk. My wife at the time then, thankfully, uh, came and joined me. And I worked in a small school called Holsley, which is near Woodbridge, which again is known as being quite a sunny place. It doesn't rain very much in Woodbridge. That's what it's famous for. And I could see the sea, so we could see lightning storms. The thing I would draw out from that school is the community. It was a farming community. It's a very small school and was beautiful, full of beautiful people. I played in a band with other parents. We did lots of events, and that was great. I was warned not to eat uh, in the local pub, and I did, and that's the illest I'd ever been, um, very ill. Um, and, and I guess the thing from there is it, it's quite a competitive environment, particularly in small schools. So the neighbouring small school, Bordsey, was really high-achieving. But the deputy head of that school and myself, I was the deputy, we struck up a brilliant friendship, played pool, played football, did loads together and learned from each other, two very contrasting schools. And that was fantastic. 
interestingly, from there, I went to Knowsley. So Knowsley was a school called Parkview. Now, when I was interviewed for Parkview, I didn't see the school. It was off-site. I lived in Suffolk at the time. Mm. And there was a lady head teacher, Belinda, who interviewed me, uh, and it was for a school that's two-form entry that was good, according to Ofsted. And I was successful, and I got the job a week before the school holidays. So it was the Thursday, school holiday on Friday. It was a half term. And then I phoned up on the Monday to talk through the, uh, the position, and a bloke answered the phone, uh, Jimmy. And Jimmy said he was head teacher. I said, Jimmy, no, you're not, because it's a lady. Uh, and actually, during the school holidays, the headship had changed to Jimmy. And also, what they hadn't told me is the school was struggling at the time, and the school that was good ended up going into special measures. So I ended up being a deputy head teacher of a school that was in special measures. And again, it was a fantastic learning opportunity. I learned more from Jimmy Shaw than I have from anybody else, that head teacher. So he didn't particularly care about wearing a suit or how he presented himself, but he was absolutely brilliant. Brilliant with the children, brilliant with the staff, and brilliant with me. And one of the things I would say, two things that actually I'd pick up from Jimmy. Firstly, he knew all the answers, but allowed me uh, to try and draw the answers out from me, even though I got the impression he knew them anyway. The second thing I learned from Jimmy is he was managing in a very difficult situation. There's lots of pressure for a school that's in special measures. And whoever came to his door, so whether it was me or whether it was two reception children or a teacher or whomever, he would genuinely drop everything. And he would give those children every ounce of his full attention. And I just found that inspirational. I have to say, working in Parkview was fantastic. The teachers were brilliant. Now, Parkview is in a, a reasonably deprived area financially, uh, and there's lots of challenges that come from that, so child protection issues and, and, and those kind of things. Lots and lots of strengths, so I'm, I'm not stereotyping, but I will say it's a challenging environment. And what I learned from there is the amount of work that the teachers had to put in to make those lessons interesting, because if they didn't, behaviour management became an issue. So those teachers had to make the lessons stimulating from minute one Otherwise, some of the children's behaviour became really difficult. I was there for five years. The school ended up, thankfully, uh, being good, which was a, a, an immense triumph for us all. And then I went to Lindo, so I got a headship at a school called Lindo, which is in Cheshire East. And at the time, it was smaller than average school, and actually a failing school in that the local authority pulled me to one side and said, look, Although this school is deemed as good, if Ofsted came now, we think it would be requires improvement. In those days, I think requires improvement was called unsatisfactory. Um, and again, I just had a school full of really good teachers. What I would pick up from that school was the community from Wilmslow head teachers. There's about 11 schools together in Wilmslow. And the head teachers, all 11 of them, wanted to help each other. And that was fantastic. And I knew I could phone the head for Lacey Green Lorraine about one issue. I could phone the head for Ashdeen about a different issue. I struck up a really good good friendship with three heads from there, James and Richard and Chris. We still go out together for a game of snooker and a curry. And they are true friends, really, that came out of that. And then also other Cheshire East teachers. So there's a friend I have called Joe, who's the head of the school in Wrexham. And there's so much I learned from her every day I speak to her because she's so talented. And the point of being I'm making is how I've learned from other head teachers. Now Lindo set itself out to be a unique school 
there's a head teacher that had been there for about 20 years, I think, Peter Halliwell, and he was all about the kids. So he wasn't interested in school uniform. There's stories that he wouldn't let the local authority enter the school. However, that school developed this amazing culture and values that were unique to Lindo. And that meant that the parents that came to Lindo had um, a, a wide view, I suppose, a wide view on inclusion. The school had a resource provision for deaf children. Uh, and the parents that came to it, I guess, had just a real values um, structure about them built into it. And that just meant that the school was really special and blossomed, particularly with sport. So my thing is sport, uh, and we really pinned on, on sport strategies to make Lindo this really sporting school. And because of that, we excelled in other areas. So we ended up excelling in inclusion, academics, sen, maths, English, and sports. That was great. So, and, and I guess the other thing to mention there is the deputy head teacher there, Leah Grimsley, came with me to my next school. So I've now gone to a school called King's Road, which you mentioned in the introduction in Trafford, and Leah came with me to be my deputy. Now that is the most successful appointment I have ever made, um, and uh, Leah has been absolutely fundamental in turning King's Road round. So if I may, I might talk about King's Road for a while yeah, now. Yeah, please that's do. Okay. So King's Road is a, a school in Trafford. Uh, Trafford is a really high attaining local authority. It's either first or second in the local authority league tables um, most years, if not every year that I've been there. Now, my school is blessed to be very inclusive and very diverse. We have, I think it's 96% uh, children come from an ethnic minority background, which is absolutely wonderful. 82% of those children are deemed of, uh, as having English as a second language. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't speak English. It means that they have access to English in their household. Now, that is a wonderful feature of our school and a really important feature of our school. It does create um, challenges when it comes to results, so particularly SATS results. In fact, in actual fact, all results. So baseline and assessment and reception, that's a challenge. Phonic screen test is a challenge. Year 1 SATS and Year 2 SATS are all a Now, it's a challenge we are welcome because of the children that we have in our school and how we learn from each other. Now, I started at King's Road in 2015, September 2015. The local authority um, pulled me for a meeting and said, although the school is um, deemed as good by Ofsted, they felt that if Ofsted came now, it would be given the lowest grades that was um, inadequate at that time. Uh, the local authorities said that uh, the, the grade they would recommend, because local authorities are involved in the Ofsted process, uh, Ofsted asked the local authority what their view is, they said to me that they would say either three or four, which are both failing grades. Now, furthermore, um, the school had uh, just experienced a senior member of staff that had just passed on. So as well mm. as academically the school being on the floor and a really tough time, um, morale was really low uh, because of this poor lady that had passed on, but also because of other reasons. The head that had been there a long time moved on, um, and then there was, a, uh, there was a, a couple of head teachers who were great, but only there for a short amount of time. Everybody knew that they were only there for a short amount of time. So I, I inherited a school that was absolutely on its knees. However, I inherited a school that was on its knees, and results were really low, 
but was full of incredibly talented staff, incredibly dedicated um, people, uh, people who, uh, who were really committed to making King's Road the best that it could be. Um, for whatever reason, the results had just dipped and dipped and dipped over the years. They welcomed me because they knew that I was there to stay. And also, I really believe in people. So Leah and myself, and that's why I talked about Leah a minute ago, it's really important that Leah is part of this because she was part of that journey. And for the governors, through an appropriate application process, so there were other wonderful candidates, but Leah was the best candidate at that time, which I was thankful for. So that meant that I had a deputy working alongside me who knew me, and it didn't have to spend time building that relationship. I was able to ask Leah, can you focus on these things, and I'll focus on these things. But really, from the very start, our focus was people-centred improvement. Uh, we were able to say to the staff, look, we can see that... that you are a great uh, team. We want to work with you. I don't have the ability or the talent or certainly the mind to ruthlessly um, get rid of people and capability or disciplinary and all those kind of things. I just don't want to do that. That's not where I come from. I'm somebody who wants to work with people. And from the very first moment, in fact, I met with the staff, start off with, I think it was about 60, 70 staff in this room at, at this time, and I was able to tell them before I started, look, I'm all about family, I'm all about people. And I felt in the room, 60 people just breathe and, and just feel a tangible sense of relief. So now we've got this team and we've got this team who are able to say, look, let's roll our sleeves up. Let's be honest about where we are now. Let's be focused about what we need to do to improve and let's do this together. Now, I really believe in appointments, and I invest my time in appointing the right people. So uh, I invest, uh, invested time in trying to get the right deputy, which thankfully ended up being Leah. The first thing we did was try to create a stable and talented senior leadership team that did have new blood, but it also had um, particularly one member, Jackie, who had been at the school for a period of time. Jackie's just retired this summer, actually, uh, which is a big loss. But she served as a bridge and a really important bridge towards mm. the, the culture of the school, the history of the school, the talent of the school, and then the SLT, which lots of it was new blood, knew, look, we have to build on this. We can't come in just saying we know best because we don't. These guys know best. <coughs> Excuse me. No worries. Um, so from the start, uh, what we did is we developed a kind of a Gantt chart. So in building, you have a Gantt chart, and that says, look, we're going to build this time, uh, this thing at this time, this thing at this time, but we're not focusing on whatever. We're doing this later. And that's what we developed from day one at King's Road. So I knew from minute one, we were looking at uh, maths, and maths was a big issue. From minute one, we were looking at pupil premium, because pupil premium children were really struggling in this school at this time. Now, writing was really low, but we saved that. It was two terms later, but that took the pressure off. So strategically knowing what I was focusing on took the pressure off. We developed this tagline from minute one, and this tagline was excellence without compromise. Now, excellence with compromise absolutely means being the best of every member of that school in every area. So definitely maths and English, 
definitely reading and writing, definitely phonics, definitely foundation stage, definitely sound, but not just that. We wanted the best for every child in art, in PE, in all these other subjects. Now, I must clarify, the best does not mean crowbarring these children into levels that they shouldn't be. We wanted them to be the best that they could possibly be. Um, and I talked about the different subjects, the curriculum subjects, but it was more than that. We wanted the school to be the best it could be at inclusion, at diversity, at values, at ethos, at morale, all of those kind of things. Now, excellence without compromise means about being the best, but it also means knowing when to stop. And this was the message. So if people were feeling tired, and you know, it could be four o'clock on a Tuesday, stop, go home, go spend some time with your families, switch off from school, don't keep working when you're ineffective because that's counterproductive, being willing to stop. And excellence without compromise still continues uh, to be the mantra. I talked about morale. I felt that it was really important to try and develop a team as soon as possible. Um, and also to understand that there were so many outsiders at that point that we all joined at the same time. We needed to unite. King's Road is a big school, we're three form entry, we have uh, nearly 700 pupils which is really big and I, I didn't want separate Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2 departments and so on and so forth. So we developed six houses and that was so that there was a, a small pastoral group for all the children and immediately we started lots of events because I think it's really important to have fun mm. and laugh and smile and enjoy uh, each other's company and not be too intense. Which comes back to Jimmy Shaw, actually. Uh, I, I learned that from Jimmy uh, when I was at my school in uh, Knowsley. So we developed something called Disco Badminton on a Friday where we turn the music up uh, and we play badminton together. My sports table tennis, so that's now uh, gone over to Disco Table Tennis and a few of us play table tennis. We have quiz nights. We have award nights. Um, we do loads and loads of things together. We eat out together. And I know we've got these things in place, these tangible events in place, but the most important thing, I think, is the ethos and the values in the school and not being superficial. Mm -hmm. I have to say, one of my bugbears, and I know lots of people won't agree with me, is the phrase, the children deserve better, and I'll explain that. Mm -hmm. So obviously I agree that children deserve the best, but I have heard horror stories about how some senior leaders have treated staff members and qualified that and justified it with the phrase, the children deserve better. Now, I want the best for the children in my school, but I want the best for the adults as well. And I, I think if everybody is treated well, including but not just the children, then morale and teamwork and people will work, walk that extra mile uh, for each other. The other thing that we put in place from really early was a commitment to quality CPD, so that's continuing professional development, that's training and all those kind of things. We made sure that the staff meetings were quality and we never cancelled staff meetings. They were genderised and they're really strong and they're really good. An outcome of that, I think, is actually we've now got four SLEs. Now, an SLE in a school is somebody who um, is working at a really high level and offers expertise to other schools. So we have four of them that's developed during the last five years. But imagine being in a school where these SLEs are training up our staff. Now, these four SLEs are not the only 
quality members of our, our trainers, the school's full of them. Mm. We sit in these training on a Tuesday and it's absolute first-hand quality. Now that feeds into the quality of the teaching because the teaching is really good. But it's not just about teachers, it's about everybody and treating everybody well. So we developed something called Training Tuesday. So on Tuesdays, every TA, apart from the one-to-one TAs who can't come out of class, we try and rotate that and come up with different uh, solutions to that. But every teacher's, every TA is out of class and receiving training. And that's absolutely about the quality of training. And then that cascades down to the children and the children receive quality um, back from TAs and from teachers because of the training. But it's also saying to the, the TAs, look, we believe in you. We want the best for you and reducing a little bit of the intensity. We try to have meetings during school time where possible. And we do this by um, offering TAs time back. Now, by having meetings during school time where we can, I know my TAs are quality. And I know that the, the children are receiving really quality input from the TA. And some supply teachers are brilliant. But in my school, I think the TAs can offer better quality uh, to the children. But then the teachers can meet during the daytime where possible. Mm. And again, that means there's energy levels that are really high. There's no resentment because they're still at school meeting at half five on a dark December evening, Tuesday, December evening. So there's quality there. We developed the pupil premium pledge. So every child in my school who's pupil premium, which is loads of them, uh, receives an extra. It was two hours, but it's now one and a half hours specific input for them. And that meant that pupil premium results went up. And I know I'm waffling a little bit now, for which I apologise. There's loads of things I want to say. But the last thing I'm, I'm going to talk about, mine's gone, oh yes, uh, <laughs> is I visit every class every day. And I'll tell you where this comes from. Uh, when I first started as a teacher in 2010, I went down to London and I heard a speaker, a guy called Ben Walden. Now, Ben Walden did this talk on Henry V and he related the Shakespearean play Henry V to different aspects of leadership. So uh, sometimes Henry V was at the battlefront, other times he was a role model, uh, other times he was a strategist, but he was a visible leader. And that specifically has influenced my leadership style. So at, at the beginning of every day, I'm at the gate saying hello to the, the children and the parents. And that's definitely about relationships. But it's more than that. It's about dealing with matters when they're small. So a parent can say to me, look, uh, there's this issue. OK, let's just see what we can do about this. As opposed to not being there and the issue becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And they're knocking down my door wanting me to deal with it. But then I also go in every class, every day. So this is now 24 classes and spend time with the children. Uh, and this comes at a cost. Uh, and there's other impacts, uh, I guess, of doing that. But I would say it's one of the best things I did. The teachers know I come in. I come in with a smile uh, 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 and building really good relationships with the teachers and with the children. And I'm not coming to trip them up. I'm not coming to be judgmental and look for faults. However... If there is an issue, maybe writing's dipped a bit, or presentation, or a display isn't looking great, I'm able to say, in a really non-threatening, proactive, immediate way, just have a quick look at that display. And honestly, the teachers are really open to that. Now, in schools, quite often, Ofsted used to ask us, the local authority used to ask us, look, show us about your lessons, show us your lesson observations. 
what are your outcomes how are your judgments or lesson observations validated how can we believe in what your view is well i would say i don't put much weight on lesson observations i still do them because i do think it serves as providing a professional uh, purpose and formal feedback and all that kind of stuff but actually by visiting every class every day that's how i can make a difference and that's how standards in my school have risen and risen and risen in fact risen so much that the last two years we've been shortlisted uh, as school of the year for greater manchester now that's over 850 schools we've been shortlisted to the top uh, three and as i say the biggest thing results are great you're in the top one percent for writing but it's atmosphere in our school we're happy we smile we enjoy each other's company fantastic what, what i wanted to add if if i may is the importance of a quality curriculum now a quality curriculum i think can only be offered if you have quality uh, quality teachers and happy teachers we want to make our school unique um, and really to stand out as a special school we have loads of amazing events so one event we have every year is something called mantle of the experts and that's where it's basically consequential role-play driven learning and the whole school transforms into something else this year we transformed into Mokopunai Hawakai and that was supposed to be a kind of event where it was an adventure island and I was the evil chief so I was Morgan Dorgan and Leah Grimsey their uh, deputy was the good queen Greer Limsley and the whole learning was about trying to get Greer Limsley to take over the island by persuading Morgan Dorgan to relinquish control through how they were being. And every year we have this exciting thing. So uh, last year we were superior, which was basically Charles Xavier's school for gifted children, and all the teachers were superheroes. We've been Deor Snick, which was um, an alien solar system miles back, uh, miles away. But we have these amazing events. We have uh, an Eisteddfod every year, which is a Welsh poetry festival. We have a Difference Day every year, which is about the children making a difference to their community, but not about money. We don't want to be making money. It's just about what can we do to help others. We have Grandparents Day, World Word Day. We don't have World, uh, World Book Day. Mm. We have World Word Day. And we've tailored our curriculum to develop royal right, which is a completely bespoke way of teaching read, uh, writing. We've developed something called uh, Rule of Reason, which is a, a bespoke way of teaching maths. Spheric. Now, I'm glad I've called it spheric because to the local authority, I called it sphincter <laughs> when I meant to say spheric. Um, Ignite, that's our curriculum, Ignite in the curriculum. Um, so there's lots and lots of really good things. We've developed our own systems of planning and assessment. So we've developed bespoke systems of school leadership. So we have our own self-development plan, our own self-improvement plan, our own tracking systems. So you're doing a lot of creative things in school. You're very active in and out of classrooms. Obviously, the last six months um, must have mean, meant a lot of change to the ways in which you're working. What what have you learned about yourself and, and that role in, in those uh, last two terms? And how have you managed to kind of support your own well-being? Okay, I think, I think the start uh, of my answer to that has to be about honesty and us learning to be honest with ourselves. 
And if we're anxious about COVID-19, or we're struggling to change to working from home at different times, we have to be honest, and that has to be the start of the conversation. We have to be honest with ourselves, but we also have to be honest with our colleagues, with our senior leadership team. And if the conversation is honest, then it can be more transparent and we can move forward with it. Now, for me, I love my job. I, I love working with children in my school and I love working with teachers, I love working with SLT, I love working with the governors, I love working with Lee, I love all of them, but there can be no denying that a headship is a really stressful position. And I was getting to the point where, I guess for all of us, the stress can become too difficult to manage at times. Now, if I talk specifically about COVID-19 and education, I fully understand all the negatives for COVID-19 and that big ball of anxiety uh, and all the consequences to people's health and bereavement, how absolutely terrible that is, and that's just terrible. But what I also want to say is there was a time where for me personally, I was working from home, uh, and for me personally, that allowed me to work in a less intense manner for a period of time. Now, for me, the timing for that was really good, and I hope there's some things that I've started doing during the period of lockdown time that I can take forward into next term. So I created a working pattern where I worked hard and I actually think we should be working hard. I think we're getting the money where I'm certainly had to get some good money to work hard. But sometimes I think we don't treat ourselves very well. I have a friend who keeps telling me to treat myself in a kind manner uh, and I need to do that a little bit more. So my working pattern during lockdown was um, I've got a treadmill. So I had to run every day on my treadmill which wasn't fun, that was agony, I hated every second of it, but I did it and I felt better afterwards. And then I went for a walk, so I sit down on the grass, uh, and the river Bolling uh, flows by, you can hear the, the, the sound of the river, it is mind-blowingly beautiful. And I'm able to sit there just for five, ten minutes every day and kind of meditate or have mindfulness or, or whatever and just have that space. And for me, that has been life-changing. And I still have the space to come home, get home, maybe half ten, something like that, and then work through and do good quality work as a result. And I've still had that mindfulness and that space and that exercise. And when we come back in September, I hope to be able to continue to do that. And I play a lot of sports, play a lot of table tennis, play a lot of volleyball, and that may well um, encroach on this. But if I don't do that, I think I'll feel frustrated. And also, health-wise, I've been outside every day, mm. receiving that vitamin D. Um, I think there were aspects that were really challenging. So obviously, I was in school for some times as well. Now, my plan was to be a martyr. I didn't realise that's what I was being at the time. So I said to Leah, this deputy I've talked about before, um, I'm going to be in every day, Leah. I'm going to be in because I think that's really important. So for visible leadership. And Leah said to me, if you do that, you are being a really poor leader. So you now need to be in one week and home. We were home for three weeks, working from home. So and that's really important to say that. We were still working, but we were working from home. And then the staff, because we had reception one, nursery and six in, we were able to work on a quarter of the staff. Three quarters were home. But if Leah hadn't told me to do that, I think I could have burnt out. And I had a period where I was able to have a less intense time. I think one interesting thing I would say 
So I'm not with my children. So I see my three amazing children every day. And that's because their mum is just fantastic. So I go round before school every day and see them. And most days after school. And then they stay with me from Friday through to Sunday. However, during lockdown, that was different. And I've never known in my life or in their life, my eldest is 15, a time where I didn't see my children. So obviously that was painful. Uh, and particularly when it, uh, lockdown first happened, and I remember Michael Gove giving announcements, uh, uh, but initially you weren't allowed to go and see your children. Now my, mm. my youngest, who's eight, in October was diagnosed type 1 diabetic, and that was really painful and they died at that time. But that meant there was no, because we weren't sure what was mm. going on. I couldn't go into school, potentially catch coronavirus, and then pass it on particularly to mm. Luke, because at that time, we didn't know how, uh, what the consequence of that would be on Luke. Now, my birthday is April 14th, uh, and I'd been in school that week. Now, that meant on April 14th, I didn't see my children, and I didn't see them the week after. And the plan was, I wasn't going to see them the week after that, because of the 21 days. Uh, and there was one parent who came and complained about bringing his child to school. So there were circumstances that meant, and this was on my birthday, and I didn't say anything. But I thought to myself, hang on a minute, I'm looking after your children, which is a privilege and an honour. But because I'm doing this, I'm not seeing my own. At that point, I thought for three weeks on my birthday. So times like that were really difficult. I've written some articles for um, um, something called Educational Support. Uh, and that's um, a service that offers um, stress counselling and wellbeing support for all people in the profession of education. Uh, and they're in the blog section. And in one of them, when I was writing about coronavirus, I talked about an opportunity to really um, de-stress and appreciate that and try to strategize for that. And what I talked about then is that I said it was really important to choose, because I think it's a choice, choose to focus on own mental health. Mm. Otherwise, stress, anxiety and exhaustion will come back bigger, darker and stronger than it was before and I think that's really important. I think we have to learn to work differently when it comes to September and all the pressures that September uh, will bring. The last thing I would say on this is how important it is to focus on what you have done. Hmm. Now the danger in all professions, now I only really know teaching but I know this is true of all professions and actually of all life. <coughs> the danger in all professions and actual facts in all life is that you focus on what you've not done and at the end of the day you go home and you think I've not done this I've not done this and I've not done this but you know you'd have done a hundred a thousand mm. things and they are the things that should be focused on I fear that disillusionment or discouragement are the things that prevent progress yeah I think it's interesting that the, I mean it linked to the point you were making about about visible leadership i think while that can drive you know really positive activity in school there is also something about everybody be feeling busy and feeling that they have to to look busy and that if they were to take you know 10 minutes in their classroom say to do some some mindfulness that they would feel pressure to actually be writing some resources or doing some marking or or something else. So there's something about being outside of that of that school space uh, that maybe sort of frees you up from that um, 
that feeling and then also thinking a bit a bit more about um you know that focusing on what you have done i think it is interesting given there was so much change and different activity going on across that period you know people were working very hard but working very differently it it doesn't feel like it counts towards the overall thing that is trying to be achieved because everybody's focusing on we've got to catch up we've got to catch up in september there's a bunch of things that we haven't done and it and it stops people appreciating what they have done i think um, to develop that further i think we have to trust each other more and i think we have to understand that if somebody if you're in the classroom and you're having some downtime well this comes back to sense without compromise that's great that is absolutely great and the danger is that we're all so insecure that we feel that if we're not being busy that everyone else is looking at us thinking what a lazy person that is and we have to move away from that because they're not i I think about uh, one-to-one teacher assistants and sometimes if the child for whatever reasons behavior may be difficult to manage now what i think is difficult for that teacher assistant in that circumstance is what other people are thinking of them. So this child, for whatever understandable reason, might be shouting or behaving in some kind of way that everyone can see how they're behaving. That teacher assistant starts to think to himself, oh my word, everyone's judging me. They're thinking I should do this in a different manner. They're not. They're not. What everyone is thinking is, well done. You're doing a great job. And anyone who isn't thinking that, then actually I'm not interested in your view. Well, I'm interested in the view of those who have been a member of the team. Mm, mm. And and just coming on to to think about, I mean, you talked a little bit about well-being there, but uh, any any lessons that you kind of want to take forward about about achieving that balance when you do return to school? Yeah, so I think I, th- I do think routine is important, and I think that routine that you set yourself shouldn't be too onerous. I think there has to be an honesty. I think there has to be a willingness to go home and not work as much as is reasonable. I, I feel sometimes teachers take these huge books, pile of books home and say, they say to me, I'm not going to mark them. And I think, well, don't take the books home because what they do is they sit in the corner making you feel guilty. Mm. So you could be spending time with your family or watching a film and actually all you can see is those books. Leave them at home. And I just think if, and I don't mean all the time. I think there's times to work hard, and I think there's times to not work hard. And on those times to not work hard, that's absolutely okay. And that comes back to this excellence uh, without uh, compromise. I think you have to accept that you can't do everything. And whether you're a teacher, a senior leader, a head teacher, whomever you are, you have to accept sometimes you want to go home and not everything has been done. And I would also say you have to understand yourself. We all work differently. So my working pattern is this periods where I can work and work and work and have a smile on my face and, you know, I love it and I can work really late and, and I think I'm effective. There's other times where I can and there's other times where I've just got to take my foot off the pedal, look after myself differently for that period because I know that it's a phase and the next phase will come. I, I wrote an article which I, I referred to before. This is difficult, different article on uh, education support on the blog section. And this was seven tips uh, during um, COVID-19. And I'm gonna just refer to those because I think they're relevant. And the seven tips were, 
Number one, you can't read everything. Head teachers just get so much information and it's just preposterous. Uh, and I think during coronavirus, it got to absolutely ridiculous levels. I cannot remember the number, but at one week, I think there were dozens and dozens of releases that were expected to read and you just can't. Uh, and I would say maybe the king, and I've suggested this to the king, I think we've taken this on board, uh, maybe not my suggestion, but something that you do, about um, uh, breaking down some of this information. So we have the highlights, and I think that's really helpful. I think you have to accept that you're human, and you have to choose to be human and not a robot, and a robot that just works and works and works, because eventually that robot's batteries run out, uh, and you then become ineffective, and your stress levels become unmanageable. For school leaders, I think it's really important to communicate regularly and strategically and honestly with your parents, with the teachers, with the pupils to say sometimes, you know, I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do. I think it is at this stage and this is why I'm doing it. But I apologise in advance if it's not the right thing and I'll change it. So I think that communication is really uh, uh, important. Be honest, which I've talked about before. Be visible. Don't hide away in an office. Get out there. Go and spend time with people. Health splits up into, doesn't it, into physical health, into social health, and into emotional health. Social health for head teachers is really important. You can't work in an isolated fashion all the time, being 10 men or being this superhero. You have to be open, and you have to look after your social health as well. Don't destroy bridges. So I felt at the start that the danger is... Uh, that you really focus on the here and now and don't consider September. Be careful about that. And finally, you have to plan for the present. That's really important, but the present just disappears so quickly. Mm. So be careful about that. Be careful about investing too much time into the here and now and think about the future at the same time. Invest time into that. Great stuff. And if we have a, a think a little bit about you know you've you've mentioned some of the the things that you've that you've done in school for for your staff but any kind of sort of tips you'd want to share with with other school leaders about what's what's really worked to support staff's um well-being and work-life balance there are, there are lots of things that you can put in place but i think the most important thing is culture so all those things I talked about, about honesty and trust and transparency and communication, those things for me are the most important thing. And then that also comes down to role modelling from senior leaderships. Now, when we think about some of the specific things that we've put in place for Kings Road, we've, talk, we've, um, we've talked about educational support and we've given that phone number. Uh, we've given the phone number for uh, a counsellor, so it's a volunteer who's absolutely superb. My door's always open, the deputy's door's always open, the other senior leader doors are always open, and our phones are always available. I talk a lot about family first, and, I, and that's something I, my mantra, and what I will live my life by. I can't expect to live my life that way and not expect teachers to. So if there are productions or sports days or all of those kind of things, it's really important that teachers go to those things and not expect to rush back we'll look out for each other because that is team that is what teamwork is teamwork is about us all looking for each other but teamwork is also about giving 
uh, and not just receiving. So what can you do to help your colleagues? I've talked about some of the events about uh, disc golf, badminton, table tennis and meals uh, and quiz nights and awards nights and all of those kind of things. But I will talk about how important it is not to put in superficial measures. I've heard it of schools that give their teachers an award, a certificate, but actually the culture in the school is rotten. And I just think, don't give that certificate then, because that's actually condescending, it's patronising, and it's counterproductive. It's more important to be genuine and to have relationships. At King's Road, I think there's two fundamental things that I want to talk about now. One is something called TKR. Now, every member of the school is a member of King's Road. You get that by default because you attend school. But to be a member of Team KR, there are five really fully thought out values that you have to consider to each member. And they are sacrifice, loyalty, pride, commitment and respect. And let me talk about sacrifice first. So sacrifice is really easy when it doesn't cost you anything. So if someone's put up a display, uh, and you know, you've not really got that much to do, but to know isn't true very much in education, but you have it, and you go and help them with that display, that is great, it's lovely, it's a really nice thing to do. But it's much, much harder if you're busy. To drop things and go and help somebody else who's struggling shows sacrifice. At King's Road, we have something called guardian angels. Every member of staff has somebody else who they are the guardian angel for, and it's a secret. Now, it can be about putting a bar of chocolate on the table without them knowing, or a flower, or those kind of things, but it's much more than that. It's about a member of staff looking out for that person, which takes sacrifice, and that's a fundamental principle. The other, the other areas, such as loyalty, commitment, and pride, they come off. So if you've got a, a sacrificial mindset, a, sacrifice, a sacrificial heart, then you end up being proud of that teamwork, but it's about giving and then receiving. This year, we developed something called Booby. Now, Booby stands for Be You, Be Us, and it refers to what I talked about earlier. It's not just about the children. It's about every member of our school being them, and it's about an understanding of personality. Now, this developed from the jigsaw uh, analogy that it's a jigsaw of your school Every member is one piece of that jigsaw. Each jigsaw is a unique uh, piece. You take out that piece of the jigsaw, no one else can fill it. And I've used that metaphor when talking about attendance with the children. We want you in school because we miss you when you're not here. No one else can fill that. But that's developed into, look kids, look adults, be you. Your personality is beautiful and it's wonderful. Now, some people are extroverts and charismatic, and that's fantastic. They're gregarious people. Brilliant. We need you in our team. Well, not everyone is. And that could be child, it could be adult. Some people are introverts. Some people are quiet, naturally, believe it or not. I'm quite introverted and quite shy. And there's space for those. In fact, there's more than space. You are an integral cog of our school. Now, when it come, came to learning from home, I didn't ask my teachers to, to fill lessons online. And the reason I didn't ask them to do that is because of BU. We, we put in loads of other measures that were fantastic uh, and remote-based learning, and we chose to save some aspects of the curriculum till we come back. But not everybody's comfortable in front of the camera. So I wasn't going to force my teachers to do that. Now, and this is really important, that individuality 
you can still develop. So you still should have a mindset to be the best that you can be without changing your personality and your background and your culture and your heritage and all of those kind of things. But that newness, then bring that to Team KR because Team KR is going to be better and stronger with your unique personality as part of it. And I guess that comes back to the original question. It's about the values and the unique culture that's brought in to the school. I love that guardian angels idea. That's, I think that's great. Um, I love the thought of of having a guardian angel. Uh, um, That is uh, really lovely. Um, And you've, you've done some writing and thinking about the, the role of the head teacher particularly you know uh, as we've alluded to there you know it's 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 quite a, a lonely job sometimes and you know particularly pressures over the last wee while having to make decisions about things you m- might never have imagined having to to make decisions about communicating in a really difficult changing c- circumstances to parents and all of this kind of thing um what do you think needs to change a little bit about the the school leadership model to make it a more manageable role? The the piece that I've written that I specifically referred to is on the educational um, support site, and it's a piece that says uh, that's entitled "Rehumanising Head Teachers." Now, as I've said before, being a head teacher, in my view, is the best job in the world. But on a Monday morning. I stand outside my school gates and nearly 700 smiley children come by and see me. And I could be sat in a, in a grey office somewhere doing accounts and that's not to be negative about that job. I'm just talking about my specific job. So for me, that's who I see. And then I go into an assembly on a Monday morning and I'm able to talk about values and these really important things. That's a privilege. So I love this job. It's an absolute honour, this job. However, there's no denying it's a really stressful job. And I think the problem is that head teachers tend to put on superhero capes. I think head teachers need to improve their honesty and their transparency with regard to stress levels. There was a study in uh, 2018 by the Mental Health Foundation uh, Society, and that showed that 74% of people have felt so stressed that they have felt overwhelmed, and 32% have had suicidal thoughts. Now that touches home for me because as much as I, as I love my job, I've been in that place. Now, when I talk to head teachers, and I've talked to lots of head teachers, it will seem to me that it's okay for us to have a conversation about being stressed about some things that are really stressful. Ofsted, finance, child protection issues, so on and so forth. And that's fine, I'm not saying you shouldn't be stressed about that, and it's really important there's dialogue about that. But actually, and this isn't just me, we're not talking about some other things that are are really massive anxiety factors for us. And I think it links back to personality. So for some head teachers, it could be parental conflict, or it could be um, uh, neighbours, or parking issues. Now the danger is, because we're superheroes, and we wear capes, and we're the be-all and end-all of it all, we can't talk about this stuff. And I think it's got to change and really do. Do you think there needs to be a model kind of like supervision where we can talk about it? I think there needs to be more transparency amongst head teachers and not being judged as a wimp. Fundamentally, 
education and educational leadership does understand personality in my view so leadership should uh, i think the misunderstanding is about charismatic extroverted gregarious confident characters do you know the best leaders could be them but the best leaders don't have to be them introverts can also be great leaders and i think there has to be an improved understanding of personality one of the other things i think needs to improve um is head teacher bashing on social media such as twitter because it seems to become uh, a mass participation sport now you cannot communicate effectively the rationale and history behind a decision in 140 or 160 characters yet for some reason um, people can bash that decision or bash the head teacher so absolute examples i can think of there is um one teacher put on twitter my head teacher is going to do a growth mindset thing now i know that's been going now for a few years but the responses on twitter were all of well do you know why don't you do some writing during that time it's okay for you to switch off during that time it's not okay to be disrespectful and to have a bad attitude at that time because that head teacher probably cares and that head teacher probably wants to make a difference so i would plea to everybody please stop this head teacher bashing because it's not helpful head teachers and senior leaders are human beings and most of them probably read this stuff and it induces stress yeah and i think what you've what you've captured really well there is the fact that the buck the buck stops with this person and 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 so then these these situations that if someone doesn't know how to work through or they aren't supported to deal with can really build build up and that person feels feels very lonely and then also has this additional challenge of not being able to share the fact that they're that they're finding it hard with with other people for fear of kind of losing face so you have this vicious vicious cycle and it, it, you know to to your point earlier about about your your son it, all, it doesn't always have to be you know a very challenging thing at school if it's also going on at the same time as something hard at home um you, first and foremost you're a human being and it's absolutely okay for people to 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 struggle with that and try and find um support from from outside their immediate kind of personal resources to deal with it but then that that flies in the face of this vision of the head teacher having everybody else's back and all of the answers really really tricky but thank you very much for sharing your ideas and experiences with us is there anything particular you'd like to say to our audience in in closing there guess my final remark is something I alluded to earlier and that's to take off our head teacher cloaks and stop being superheroes and start being humans again. Thank you so much for talking to us today Darren and thank you very much for listening. Key Voices is produced by The Key giving education leaders the knowledge to act. Members of The Key for School Leaders can access hundreds of articles on the latest issues in education at thekeysupport.com And please tell us what you think of the podcast. Rate, review and subscribe or email me at caroline.doherty at thekeysupport.com with your thoughts and suggestions.